0: There is now more uh, ads served than there are human beings on the internet at any time. Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. There was a time when media was all about the trading, the buying. For some advertisers and their procurement teams, you could still argue it still is. But with the rise of technology and the impact this is having on media, increasingly the discussion is about brains over brawn. How can data and research be best applied to enhance real-time media decision making in both strategy and planning and trading? To discuss this challenge, please welcome to Managing Marketing the CEO of Zenith Media, Jason Tonelli. Welcome, Jason.
1: Thanks mate. Thanks for having me Darren. I'm uh, looking forward to the chat.
0: Well, look, it wasn't that long ago that it was all about bigger is better, you know? Yeah. And, and I think Repmer, uh still reinforces this, that, you know, we're bigger than everyone else, so therefore we must do media better than everyone else. But it's not true, is it?
1: No, we're finding that it's not, um, more and more, incre- and increasingly so. I think it's not how much money you manage for your clients and look after, it's how you bring intelligence to it. We're starting to see, as you're seeing, more and more clients split media assignments up to in-housing assignments and how we work with that. So we are seeing this rise of intelligence across the business, be that on how we think about humans and Australians and New Zealanders, how we think about strategy and planning, and really specifically how we start to think about trading smarter with audience fragmentation and everything that's going on in the marketplace.
0: Now that's really interesting for me because most people when you talk about media brains, yep. are talking about strategy and planning. You know, that's oh you've got to be smart there, you know. Yep. But in actual fact you're you're arguing that in trading there's a need to be smarter as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think when I came into the role at Zenith, I said to the team, show me everything we've got, and I was blown away by a number of things. One, was how we think about audiences through our research team. I thought that was really something that we needed to turbocharge and we have um, over the last eight months or so. Um, Strategically, I saw that we had all the tools, but I wanted everyone to get out of the tools and into real life to understand consumers better and help our clients navigate that. And I think the work's grown because of that. And we've increased our strategy team um, because of that. But in investment, to your question, what I saw was a lot of rigor on analysis. You know, I've said this a couple of times now. I get a weekly um, schedule of all the spots we've bought on television, and we look at clients across the board and who's run in a competitive spot or a conflict within an ad break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just one thing. We look at quality scores. We look at competitor conflict positioning break. We're looking at this weekly for every single client as well as the entire marketplace. And it's really interesting when you start to dissect, you know, in the last three weeks I can tell you that we haven't had any conflicts. The average market conflicts 96. Wow. Right, So you've got 96 ad spots in market right now, and I can tell you which clients too, um, that are running against com- competitors. In the same hour. break. In the same ad break, which is a no-no.
0: Yeah. That's
1: what I grew up, planning and buying, like let's not trade like that. Right, and so that that analysis, that understanding, and that deep-rooted sensing do a good job for our clients is absolutely at the heart of what we do.
0: Now it's interesting because you're using television there, and I think people forget that television. You know, it's been around for what more seventy years, years, yeah, yeah, or close to seventy years, and it's become a, a a platform that has spent a lot of time, money, and effort. On being very rigorous in collecting data, I know there's questions about the methodology, but that they really do provide a lot of data. And yet, there's so much money going into digital channels, mm. and yet we're now seeing, after voices in the wilderness calling it out, that a lot of the data they've been providing is not up to scratch. Yeah, there's two sides of that, right?
1: So it's not that. It, so let's talk about this, and I'm sure we'll go into MMM modelling and what I thought mm. thoughts on. Um, On that as well. And real-time bidding
0: and, you know, right? And And
1: that's kind of my heartland, so I'm happy to go go deep there. But the one thing I always said in digital was you've got to measure the right things. Mm -hmm. And the real-time nature, the AI part, the real-time bidding part is all well and good if you're assessing and optimising to the right data sets. And it's true in every channel. The richer the data coming in, the more information we've got the better job we can do with our clients. Now, we all know Zenit's not the largest trading agency in the country, um, but I know where we buy in the market and I know that we definitely try trade at the lowest levels possible for a couple of our clients. Now, some of that's client-led and we welcome that, um, and some of it's strategically-led too. And so we know that size doesn't matter, intelligence matters, and that's how you get results for your clients. Mm-hmm. Digital, to your point, there's an abundance of data, almost drowning in it. And what you find is unless you're looking at the right metrics, actually don't move forward pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? You know, what is uh, 60% or 70% of media spend is going into these digital channels? Yeah. Um, and, and personally, I've seen it because um, procurement people are running media pitches based on you know cost per price. impression? Yeah, price. Yes. Yeah. It's all about how cheap. An interesting model, considering media up until the digital age was a limited resource. There are only so many pages in a newspaper or That's magazine. Right. There was only so many limits of advertising in the hour on right. radio and television. That's there are right. only so more out, so many outdoor spots. But now inventory is unlimited.
1: Well, it isn't. It isn't. So what's really interesting is if you should start to look at the makeup of paid advertising in digital. So to use that, it wasn't infinite. Re- it wasn't an infinite resource back. I'm going to age myself here. Fifteen years ago.
0: Well, that's still this right? century. Right? You know, yeah, it I, is. I I'm back, still in the century. I go back to the previous. <laughs> I, I worked in advertising the previous millennium. Yeah, so <laughs> that go. makes me very so, old.
1: So look, when I think about that, I still remember the day where some of the key publishers came and saw me and said. Oh we gonna we're going to put a banner and a skyscraper and an MRAC, all right yeah and then a, a, and another banner at the bottom I'm yeah, like we
0: can fill the page we're going to put one.
1: four ads on a yeah. page it used to be one yeah so they started to increase and we're going to have different ads in there and you can buy a takeover so that that infinite nature wasn't always there of how many impressions but what we what we've seen and and covid drove a lot of the uptake here was this real bottom of the funnel drive to getting new customers as cheaply as possible because everyone was on the internet. We went out and about. Yeah. So you had a rise in how many ads you could get out there Had more ads on a page and more advertisers coming into that sphere. But what we've seen out of COVID is this real recalibration of brand and the role of other channels to drive brand because what's happening is unless you fill the funnel, there's no one to convert at the bottom. Yeah, I'm not saying digital is solely a bottom of the funnel channel by any stretch of the imagination. And it's
0: not. We don't have with, to go yeah, through we're that. We're not going to go that right. But, but the point is, and, 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 and I agree with you, that if you're only doing last click bottom of the funnel, then you're actually doing a bigger job for the platform than yeah. you are for your client. Absolutely agree. Because you're actually produ- you know, creating inventory to actually fill those spaces.
1: Absolutely right? you are. Yes.
0: Whereas, and, and the smart marketers are working out, and we'll, we'll yeah. get on to MMM, yeah. but uh, the smart marketers are working out that you do need to fill the top of it. But what I'm talking about is the fact that, that you know, um, Augustine Fu in, in the US is yes. saying there is now more uh, ad served than there are human beings on the internet at any time, you know, yeah. that a lot of this is actually bots. And I wonder whether the problem is unlike... Uh, TV, where in most markets it's a at least independent or a cross-category measurement system mm. that that doesn't exist in digital because in most cases they're marking their own homework and we've seen it with Google. And you don't have to comment on it, but you know that YouTube ads are not appearing on YouTube. They've actually been feeding them off to other to other video platforms just yeah. to meet the demand.
1: Yeah, look, that's a setup. There's no doubt that I've had those conversations with um, Google and I'm going back years. This isn't new. Mm. Um, We've known about it, just how you set up your campaigns, like to get technical. And so it's an option. It's not a mandatory. So absolutely, um, people are looking, everyone would love to get more revenue there's not one sales director I've spoken to in the last year that wouldn't love a little bit more, another ad spot yeah. or an election on TV to get more ads away and all those things there, right? So I definitely see that everywhere. Digital's got the means to do it and they have. But again, if cinema wanted to add a new ad spot, they could mm-hmm. and we could print more if the demand was there and readership was there. And so it's all it comes down to audience. It comes down to how this is that kind of brains bit you were talking to, right? how do we think about capturing the right people at the right time what's attention look like and we're not i don't want to go down the attention route today but you know what how do we drive attention how do we capture people and then how do we connect with them and there's that whole media creative debate too right so how do we find the right place and then how do we kind of create some magic so we can get that interaction going
0: yeah because you know, what well, point you made earlier is there is so much data. Yeah. But is it all valuable?
1: I um do you think that I that don't think it's all valuable, to yeah. be perfectly frank. I think that you know that the conversation and maybe controversially, looking back two years to make a future prediction on what you're going to do for us is not a conversation. I, I just don't see how it's right. I don't think you know, spending three months mining into data that's two years old can inform what we should do. It, it's a nice proxy and learnings are important, don't get me wrong. But we can get those learnings really fast out of clients um, and our partners and move forward really quick. But you've got to know where the heartbeat of your audience is now. You know, two years ago, interest rates were pretty much so zero, mm-hmm. right? The cash rate was 0.1. It's now f- over four. Yeah. Right, that's 12 months, not even 24 months. Going back 2 years and looking at campaign data that we were in lockdown, etc. like it's just it's yeah, null and void, it. right? Forget it's, about it. It's, 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 a, it's a, <laughs> it was a different world. Yeah. And consumers are different. We we're, we're seeing consumers change um, monthly. And that's been very interesting,
0: fascinating. Consumer behaviour or consumer motivation? Because I actually think human yeah. beings haven't changed. No. But the way they operate is being influenced by the options that are given to them. We we are creatures that can make free will choices. You know? Yeah. We okay. just happen to all make the same choice.
1: Well, I think both are true, to your point. I think that... How we speak to, how we find them, consumers are changing their habits, their usage habits of media, um, and we're seeing that. But also the things that are stressing them out is changing pretty rapidly at mm. the moment, and that's what we've been very, very focused on. Um, I've spoken quite a bit about our research and insights capability that we are now have our own kind of consumer insights mm. panel we go to every month. Yeah, It's not a one-a-year dip, here's the state of the nation kind of thing. Um, that's interesting, but I think our clients are looking at what's happening in July, Yeah, what's happening in August. Tell me that, and what do I need to do to pivot now to capture that change of behaviour? it's you know, a couple of things we know you know right now consumer sentiment in this the major australian sentiment is really following the rba's decision on interest rates of no there's no hiding that yeah. and we've tracked that now for seven or eight months every time there's an increase sentiment comes down every time there's they hold it actually goes up significantly
0: well, because we're expecting to get whacked. and When you don't it. get whacked, you go, oh, gee, that's a relief. Well, well, well what's super
1: interesting <laughs> is that obviously we've now had a change in who's running the show at the RBA. And, you know, we asked Australians, what did you think of that decision? They welcomed the decision, but they don't think it's going to change anything moving forward. Mm. Right, So that's quite interesting in itself, right, that they don't see the behaviour going to change. And that's that's quite telling of... We're at. I've said, I said to somebody last week, actually, we are acting almost like we're in a recession without being in a technical one. And that's very different to COVID. It's the opposite of COVID. Mm. We were in a technical recession, but we were acting and spending because we had surplus income. We now have the opposite, which is technically we're not there, but we are thinking about being in one. And that's how consumers' headspace is at. And using that intelligence, that's how we've got to trade media, strategically get to them and do all the right things for our clients. Trinity P3.
0: It's interesting from my perspective because so many agencies, particularly media agencies we talk to, when they talk about data, they're talking about the data that's coming from the media platforms.
1: Yeah, be it media
0: platforms or syndicated. Or syndicated, right? Yep. But you're actually investing in and participating mm-hmm. in, you know, consumer sentiment and, yep. and and which I agree with because what you find in most of the media-based um, data, data. Or, the, um, or the syndicated data is behavioural data. Yeah. Which doesn't answer the question why. It tells you what they're doing, but it doesn't give you any insight into why.
1: Absolutely, and that, well, I'll I'll, and I'll build on your point. It doesn't give you why, and that's so critical to understand for anyone in a planning or strategy role, but also investment.
0: Hmm.
1: When they're thinking about, okay, why is a consumer using this channel and therefore how do I best connect with them? It's very interesting. But it's also the data, it's a little bit old. Because you're getting this kind of quarter- Roll Mm -hmm. up of annual data. Yeah. And again, back to that point I made earlier 12 months is a long time in advertising. At the moment. At the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it will continue to become that. Like how consumers are using channels today flips in three months' time. Um, You've got seasonality in that summer versus, you know, where's social in summer versus winter? You know, think about that. You know, we've got other seasonality. We've got a World Cup on right now in this country. Um, There's another Global World Cup happening in rugby later this year. We're a year out um, to the Olympics in 24. Consumers are going to change how they consume media and at what time. Yeah. We've got to know that as we head into those things, not 12 months after they happen.
0: It's interesting because you also work Australia and New Zealand. And New Zealand, you know, there are cynics that say it's the eighth state of Australia, but it's actually a very different market, isn't it? From, yeah. both yeah. from a media and a, a, an advertising perspective.
1: Yeah it's really interesting. So we've've we've, we've, you know we've got this happening in New Zealand too and um, looking at the audience there. They are you know they're close to being in a recession. Technically.
0: I think technically they or they might just be just gone into a but over the
1: over two months ago we've been speaking to them three months, three months ago, 74% believe they already were. Yeah. So they didn't they weren't technically there, they've just got there. But three months ago they were they the mindset of the New Zealander was there. And if you can empower a marketer with that, I think, and that's what we love talking to our clients about, like. Do we have a bit of gold dust here that together with your creative agency and all of us sitting in a room, do we have some gold dust here that actually we can create something that helps our clients being, you know, our marketer's clients or their customers? And how do we start to think about that? And I think that's very interesting for me. They're they're the big big business problems I like to solve. Mm. What's the big challenge out there? How are consumers thinking about it? How do we go after it in really new creative ways?
0: It's interesting because the way you're talking is much more as a holistic approach rather than just a media approach. Is that also partly because of the approach the publicist group takes, which is a much more integrated offering between media and, and content?
1: Oh, look, I think... Or is
0: that your approach, Jason?
1: Oh, no, look, I don't think it's... Oh, it could be, but, you know, at ZNF we're really firm on being really good at media. That's what we do. Right. And everything that we've spoken about today is really about how do we better inform the decisions we make on media? How do we invest our clients' money like it's our own money? And we really, hand on heart, think about it like that. The reason why we like to sit a little bit holistically is probably from the relationships we've got with our clients, where even outside of the group, we work hand in glove with creative partners all the yep. time at a strategy level. But definitely over the last, you know, since we've gone into the power of one type model back in 2015, 2016, there's a lot of muscle memory in knowing how to think broadly about business problems, but then stay in your lane and bring the right partners in. I've said it a lot of times. I have a wonderful opportunity to invest in our media solution because if I require digital transformation work, if I require CRM work, if I require e work, if I require creative work, HR, uh, PR work, sorry, et cetera, et cetera, I have friends, right, yeah. or my fellow um, CEOs, be that Sky at Herd or um, Adrian at Digitas or whomever it might be who I can call on and help and go, mate, I think we got to... A problem here but we need your help to solve it and that allows what i i call our kind of imagination team our strategy team gives them the breadth to open the aperture and go okay if it's not a, a media solution that's okay we're just not going to implement it
0: So you're talking about creating a larger canvas that they can then look, you know, and and give more levers to push and pull than just one or two.
1: Yeah, but know that, be very comfortable in the fact that this might end up being back at a creative business um, as a problem statement that they've got to think about and be really comfortable with that. That we're not always going to a client saying, thanks for that business problem and the solution is media. So that's where our kind of strategy planning team come into their own where they can think broader, Mm -hmm. um, but what we do is media and that's how we think.
0: My um, team from the UK attended the Ad Forum uh, Consultant Summit in New York earlier this year, Mm -hmm. and every single agency and holding company they met talked about one topic. I'll let you guess what, what it is. It's
1: either going to be attention or connected TV, AVOD.
0: Well, it was actually artificial intelligence. Oh, AI. How could I forget? Which I think is going (laughs) to be voted the word of 2023. Yeah. Right? The the interesting part was that lots of people are talking about it, Mm. but they're actually not implementing it necessarily at the core of the business. Mm. What do you see as the opportunity... Particularly from a Zenith point of view. Because, you know, we're talking about smart uh, uh, planning, smart strategy, smart trading. Yeah. You know, there's still a need for human intelligence. Yeah. But do you see AI as helping address some of the issues or actually complicating some of the issues?
1: Look, if we were going to sit here and suggest that AI would be end-to-end in the business, I would say it's going to complicate it, You're you force-fitting solutions or a solution into a pretty complex space. For example, if you go to ChatGPT now and go, how will Australia vote on the referendum? Mm. It won't give you an answer. It actually hasn't got the data to give you. Even um, ChatGPT4 won't give you an answer. Mm. So that heartbeat is missing in terms of really deep knowledge in real time about um, where our sentiment is. But we are definitely looking at different ways. I mean, let me step back a second. AI has been in our business for a long time. We spoke about real-time trading. We spoke about predictive modelling on those things. That That is AI. Yeah. Right? And that exists now, how we do dynamic creative optimization. So that sits within cause of our business definitely today however with the evolution of um kind of let's call it the new wave of ai what's very exciting i think is what tasks can it remove out of our teams to and what are those tasks that we can then elevate our teams into more thinking right and really think about the future for our clients and solving big problems while tools can help us do things. I, I love the, I love to use the term like media queries. Yeah. Could AI come in and just make sure we've got no media queries? Our media partners would love that. Our clients would love never getting a late invoice. Um, and our teams would love the fact they don't have to worry about media, media queries anymore, right, As yeah. well, especially our finance team. And so that's something we're definitely project yeah. pro, working on project for. for. You're seeing all the stuff coming out of Microsoft and Adobe now, which you're really excited about, exciting about creating creative in real time, presentations in real time, and we're playing with all that tech. The one thing Publicis, I think, has done is invested here. Obviously, we talk about Marcel a lot. Yeah. Um, and we were pretty cheeky when we were in Cannes this year to, talk, to show, hold on, we were the first on this train uh, many, many years ago, and we're proud of that. But, you know, the fact that everyone in this business globally has access to ChatGPT. Yeah. Right, through Marcel. And so th- that's – You know, Artur and Mike are definitely talking to us about think about how this applies and we are. I've got a task force right now working on two things. What is the future of the agency model, right? How do we build culture? How do we really think about putting our people first? How do we manage mental health? That's a big topic that we're working on right now. And the other thing we're thinking about is how do we put AI into our business to alleviate some of those tasks that we don't need our people to do, and I think those two things are pretty closely linked as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. There seems to be two streams, and and I agree with you. You know, machine machine learning mm. has been around for years That's and cool. has been built into so many applications without people even lo- wondering, you know, or querying what what it's doing. Yeah, and yet for some reason, chat GTP, just the the presence of it writing things suddenly people went, Oh my god, this is revolutionary! Not really. No, right. well, it, it, it made it accessible. That's the point, it's accessible. Right. But where I see the biggest opportunity is, and, and you've hit the nail on the head, how do we turn all those mundane uh, uh, activities that go over and over and over again that some poor person has to do over and over again? Yep. To be automated.
1: Yeah, that's what you know, we want.
0: And make, yeah, you know, so they can then be used to do the things that can't be automated.
1: Yeah, I was speaking to somebody the other day. AI enables us to open up the aperture on the roles we have in an agency and get people to do new things. And I'm going to go back in time a little bit. And if we think about the printing press.
0: Yeah. Right, there the was, Gutenberg Printing yes, Press, which right. revolutionised humanity. Yes. It did, right? Because people used to write out those yeah. manuscripts all the time. Monks usually sitting yes. there writing out copies of the Bible, yeah.
1: You bring in the printing press, but all these jobs were created. They didn't go away. Mm. You know, when you think about industry, there's more jobs through the Industrial Revolution because um, people had to do more things, fix parts, um, build parts, and do all those things. And we think about the tech age. Mm. There's been more jobs, not less, since computers and the internet and all those things. So, I don't see AI removing jobs because that's a, a question I get all the time. It's creating new jobs. Yeah. I mean, the number one, I think, the fastest growing um, course that's being undertaken by people, and I'm I'm one of those people, is something called um, prompt engineering. So, how do you ask questions the of the AI, of the AI mm. to get the best outcome for yourself? So that I think it's fascinating when we see what's ahead of us. It's so exciting. So definitely, AI is a topic of conversation. It's not dominating the conversations we're having here, but it's definitely something we're looking at. Trinity
0: P three. The other opportunity, and you alluded to it earlier, when we talk about um, a marketing mix modeling or media mix modeling is that the traditional econometric modelling process, the manual process, uh-huh. could take up to 6 or 12 months to actually build a model, and, and to your other point, on based on data that's largely out of date. Yes. Right? So the, op- the other opportunity is then to use AI to be able to crunch huge amounts of different uh-huh. sources of data yep. in real time to actually then informed decision-making processes.
1: Absolutely. That's the exciting bit, where you start to go, okay, I can ingest two years of data and give you an answer in half an hour, Mm. or can you give us your data, or can we give you our AI, and by the end of this meeting, we're going to have a couple of outputs.
0: Or ingest, you know, a hundred different sources of data. And
1: five years' worth, whatever it might be, right? And I think that's the exciting bit. Now... And, and quantum computing and the, com- and the cloud-based computing power we've got now is bigger and will continue to grow faster and exponentially. So that's very exciting because then it doesn't become the dominant force. And that's the one thing here. Whereas if you're spending quite a bit of money on looking back a couple of years on data and time, six to eight months, and lots of people pulling that data that becomes a dominating bit of information. Yeah. And it's just one that we have today. So I think AI in that case can not only speed up the process but probably bring that type of level of information back into kilter with everything else we've got to, in front of us to make the right decisions.
0: Yeah, because, you know, to, to your point about smart tra- uh, planning, smart strategy, smart trading, yeah, that type of information in a consumable form would be invaluable, absolutely,
1: wouldn't it? and in a fast form, yeah. Meaning something Real we can time. use, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Interesting. What do you see then? Yeah, you know, and I know this is a bit crystal ball, but what what do you see as the immediate impact? Because yeah, you know, the other thing we've seen is marketers playing with in housing their media function to mixed results. But do you think that type of innovation of being able to use a technology to help inform what they do? Because, I'm sorry, just to take a step back, the biggest issue that I find with marketers, particularly in housing media, is their ability to attract and keep the best talent.
1: Talent. And I would say, I would underscore that point, which is it can be difficult um, to attract them, find them, but train them. Um, because of the training systems that we're fortunate enough to have access to, both locally and globally. Um, So that education piece, keeping um, those um, individuals relevant and being able to see all the newest um, solutions is really critical to that. But kind of to your question, we're seeing um, in-housing... In-housing has been a conversation for 15, 20 years. I remember when I was running search campaigns, some clients did in in-house Some used an agency and we've seen this and then they come back again. And you see the ebbs and flows, right. And I think this time around we're seeing it happen again. Um, and you, you're right to mix success, but it's no lack of probably this time more than any any. there's no lack of agency willingness to make it work. You know, I talk about some of our clients like um, Nicole Bardsley over at Cash Rewards has that exact model where it's in house performance, but all the strategy is the work we do. We do all the strategic work for them and then all the offline training and planning. We also do all the research for them. And we're feeding their performance team the strategy, the research, the insights, everything. And in fact, we've gone from a model where we were spending the majority in performance to almost now 50 50 what they would call brand and performance or let's call it traditional media and performance media and so much so that the performance team are going, can we run more brand activity because it's filling my funnel? Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not rocket science. We know this. So, but it's two teams working as one and that's the power of it. It it doesn't matter where the money's spent.
0: So, so, sorry, sorry. You said it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science except that there's a whole generation of people that grew up with digital media thinking that that, and I'll use the term ecosystem, was the be-all and end-all. Yes. Right? That everything existed in that world.
1: Um, Yeah, on the screen in front of you. Yes, but I think more and more when we're spending time, you're not the consumer all the time. I mean, (laughs) I joke about this and, again, going back to the early briefs I used to get of people 25, 54, I was in that same category as my mum we didn't use media the same way no so really quickly you can get into the mindset of hold on a second right there's different consumer segments within a broad audience and they use channels differently and how they're using channels changing on a monthly basis where we've seen um, you know certain channels like um, I was looking I was kicking around some cinema data yesterday just to have a look at it and we've seen um, cinema audiences um, come back a little bit in May, June, go up again now. And so you're starting to see how people's usage changes over time based on in cinema, maybe a film release. Um, it is very title driven. I mean, apart so from that.
0: the health considerations of the pandemic, yeah, cinema's always been title driven, hasn't it?
1: Always been title driven. You know, you look at television um, and you go, you know, what hit shows, sport, Mm-hmm. reality you look at now not only do you have a writer's strike in the US but now you've got an actor's strike mm-hmm. was it, you know the first time we had the the strike of the writers there was no content so mm. they were writing almost for the content they had to make Yeah. because we had the pandemic there's lots of stuff that's written mm-hmm. ready to go into production because they couldn't produce it with no actors though there's yeah, no one to be in it, it. So what will happen? Will we have another run on reality yeah. next year? What, what the upfronts look like next year? And so that's the intelligence. You know, Lizzie and I spend a bit of time talking about what's 24 look like with all these um, issues coming. AVOD, you know, on average four um, video on demand streaming services in every household plus all the channels on free-to-air. People have choice and selection, so fragmentation is a big thing.
0: And also the move by the traditional TV networks to push connected television.
1: Connected TV and fast channels? I think, yeah. I think fast channels are fascinating um, because of some of the research we're seeing. We're seeing them now come in and really engage a younger audience. And my, our hypothesis, it's not mine it's our team's hypothesis, is that it's because it's very similar to social platforms. It's Content which is curated, right, and there for me to consume when I'm ready to consume it. Yeah. So you think about a TikTok, that's what it is. Yeah. You think about a fast channel, that's what it is. And so we're starting to see younger audiences be attracted by um, fast channels um, on television. And so that's quite fascinating for us to think about. And that's really recent. That's like three months old. That information, and we're we're starting to see that more and more. That's not the networks coming to us going, oh, look at what we've done. It's our research sitting there informing, oh, we're seeing this correlation now, and really starting to think about why we're seeing that.
0: So sitting there in your role as CEO of Zenith for Australia and New yep. Zealand, if you could have the industry address one issue, yep. what would it be? Because I know, you yep. know, there are lots of issues facing media, you know, everything from transparency. Yes. You know, and across the whole of the, the supply chain, um, you know, uh, ad fraud, uh, com- targeting complexity, uh, delivery, you know, there are so many issues. What would be the one that you think should be, the effort should be put into? Or is there one?
1: With all respect, it's none of the ones you gave me.
0: Yeah.
1: I think we've got a different thing that we need to as an industry to consider, which is um, talent and our people and how we look after them. Okay. I think the biggest issue we've got is burnout. And there's so many issues here, but there's burnout happening. There's mental health issues happening. Mm-hmm. There is. Um, there are a lot of things happening um, around attracting people into our industry again. And if we can't attract them, people are kind of doing more than they need to be. That's burning them out and putting a lot of stress on people. And it's therefore not creating this. It's a cyclical effect. It's not creating like the environment that people want to work in. And it's the most wonderful industry, advertising. I've made some of my best friends. I've been to weddings. I've seen babies. Um, I've um, And it's incredible industry. And that's why we're all in it. And I think right now, one of the biggest issues we've got is how we look after our people. We give them the skills to manage some of the mental stress that they've got and that we help them through it. And we look after ourselves too as leaders. I think that's, for me, if our industry could do one thing across creative media production, PR and everything, that would be the one. Because all those other things we're talking about, be that should attention have a, be a currency how do we fix transparency data privacy issues are all things as an industry we will fix we will get through because we will but and i hope we I'm, do, I'm right? cynically I'm, sitting here you know, going yeah, well, yeah, you've that. had
0: you've had 20 years you know in main, many cases these have been issues yeah. that have been around for a long time you no
1: know, we can have the Voz debate we can have all those yeah. debates right yes. But,
0: but even the, the mental of- the mental health issue yeah. yeah and I think it is a universal problem for the industry yeah. but in most cases the agencies have very few levers to pull other than at the moment you know giving people flexibility in their workplace giving them tra- you know, training and, and there has to be a bigger solution than just dealing with the symptoms. Of the stress, because most of the conversations you hear, it's dealing with the you know addressing the symptoms Symptom. or, not or, all or the line. problem
1: as it comes up. Yeah, and that's why I think it's the industry it's the industry that needs to rise up together to come together around it. I think you've nailed it on the head. Why? Because, like I said, transparency. We've done a lot around, spent a lot of time on it. The government's even got involved in it, and. Those things are, they're moving forward. But with our people, we're nothing, this industry. We are a people-based industry. We're a service-based people industry. And you're right, we are, right now, we've got a wonderful things in place. When you look at all the culture submissions in awards and all those things there, that um, there's wonderful initiatives in place across the industry. But are we really treating the causes? I have a question mark, and that's what I'm really interested in getting after. And I think, as an industry, we need to we've yeah. got a responsibility to the industry of to course. do that.
0: Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate the honesty. Awesome. Hey, um, Jason, thanks for taking the time. We've run out of time, but uh, before we go, I do have a question for you. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing?